Well, hi and welcome. Welcome to Zion at Home. My name's Phil Strong and I'm really glad to be with you today. I'm delighted to bring you this message in the series that we've got here called Connection. Uh, we've been traveling through the series together. We've been looking at a singular verse uh, in this series and I'll refer to that shortly. This verse has been shaping us in how we connect together. And my intention today is to wrap it all up, to bring it to a place where we understand the importance of the connection that we are called to live in. And that's what uh, my intention is today. So I hope this finds you well. I hope you are ready and open to receive from the Word of God today. I hope that you're ready to receive from the Spirit of God today. And I hope and pray that my words are transformed by the Holy Spirit into a place where you can feed on them and be challenged by them and be spurred on by them in order to live a life that God has for you as part of something bigger. As I prepared for this message, I thought to myself, well, what's really the opposite or the drawing away from, you know, if we, if we feel God's drawing us into connection, what could be drawing us away from it? Uh, so why not connection was the thought that I had. And in uh, preparing this, I thought to myself, what is it that hinders connection? What is it that, that drives a wedge between uh, us, really, and the connection that God's got for us as we see in the scriptures? And there were just four things that came to mind. The first thing was uh, people like to uh, uh, avoid uh, a position where they might be controlled by another. They might avoid control. And as I thought about that, it's really uh, obvious to me that uh, that avoidance is rooted in fear. Fear of having someone else have an influence over your journey. And we know that fear is not good. But we do know that we sometimes avoid connection because we're afraid of something. I also thought that one of the things that forces us away from connection is, is that we avoid accountability. We literally do not want to be held accountable to another person or to a standard uh, that we feel we can't reach. Now, there's a whole bunch of reasons why we have that fear, but the fear of accountability is something that drives us away from connection. And look, as I'm mentioning these things, I'm really hoping that it triggers something in you where you go, hey, that could be me. And, and really, I pray that you bring that back to Jesus and ask him to deal with it. The other thing that I thought of when thinking about uh, what, what, what is it that um, causes us to avoid connection, uh, that is a fear of transformation. You know, the big unknown is what will life look like on the other side of me being transformed by the Word of God. It's an unknown, you know, I'm so used to living like this. It's the way I am. It's the way I've always been. And I, and I don't know if I'll like myself on the other side of transformation. So we avoid connection with others. We stay the same. And we keep on doing the same old thing and we keep on getting the same old result. Well, again, this is the fear of the unknown. And I hope you, you see the theme here. We've got the fear of control, the fear of accountability. We've got the fear of the unknown. And finally, people avoid connection because they like to avoid surrender. And in this, by that I mean avoiding surrendering fully to the work of God. 
Uh, it's not that we surrender ourselves to other people, it's that we surrender ourselves to the work of God. Uh, that we would allow him to be the one who determines what our life journey looks like, that he would be the author of all things in our life. We simply avoid it. Because we're avoiding surrender, we don't want to yield. And uh, look, in that, that's a fear. It's a fear of God, but not a healthy fear of the Lord. And uh, so, look, I pray that as we highlight those things at the beginning, that you would actually recognize anything in you that is causing you to avoid connection. Because where I'm going to go today in wrapping this whole thing together uh, in the scripture is to bring us to a place where we do desire connection. And that would mean quietening down, uh, cutting off or uh, eradicating anything that would cause us to avoid the connection that God's got for us. I was speaking about connection with a friend recently as we were just dialoguing what God's doing and how he's leading us as a church family into this place of greater connection for his purposes. And, and, and my friend said to me, they said this, they said, look, the reality is it's actually impossible to avoid connection. And I was like, well, hang on, like I've just said that people are trying to avoid it. And they said, yeah, but the, the truth is, if you think about it, when we're saved, we're in Christ, we're transformed and we become part of Jesus Christ himself. We're in Christ. And well, if you're saved and you're in Christ, and if I'm saved and I'm in Christ, then together we're in Christ. Doesn't that mean that we're already connected? And the truth is, we are connected. We need to learn to live in connection. And that's really what I want to lead us in today. Which leads me to the title of my message. Uh, today I decided to call the message, What's the Point of Connection? We've been speaking about connection and we'll look at that verse very shortly. But today I simply want to ask, what's the point of connection? Why would God lead us to this place through his scriptures in order that we would be called into a place of connection? And so we want to unpack that today. In doing that, I want to refresh you in the scripture that we're looking at. We know that Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16 says this, From him, meaning Jesus, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This has been our scripture for this series. These past five messages are anchored in this one verse, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. Recently, we've been looking at it from the New King James Version. And let me read that to you now. It will appear on the screen for you. In Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. As you will know, if you've looked at the messages in this series, we've been journeying through piece by piece, and now we find ourselves at the very end of this message. Very end of the verse is the very end of the series, and we see it here that we would be seeing that as we come together in connection, it is Christ himself who is going to cause growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And it's this part of the verse that I want to focus on that would help us to answer the question, what's the point of connection? 
As we answer this question, what's the point of connection? I want to reflect very, very quickly on some of the content I've covered previously. Because when we look at the letter of Ephesians, we find some key themes. And this is a review, but I didn't want to miss it. If you look at Ephesians chapter 4 and chapter 5, you'll see five key headings in the scriptures, and they're on the screen for you right now. You'll see that Paul is writing to the church to instruct us that we must learn to live in unity. We must learn to live in holiness. We must learn to live in love. We must learn to live in the light, and we must learn to live wisely. These are the instructions that I hope have become ingrained in you as you go back over the scriptures and you read Ephesians as we've been looking at it. If you zoom into Ephesians chapter 4, just the first half of Ephesians chapter 4, you see three key things. Firstly, you'll see in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 to 6 that we must preserve unity. And this is going to become more obvious as we look at the message today. Secondly, if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 to 13, you'll see that it's the grace of Jesus Christ that bestows gifts. This is going to become apparent. The essential nature of the gifts that Jesus has given us is going to become apparent today, and we answer the question, what's the point of connection? And where the verses, the feature verses at the end, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, show us that the maturity... Our maturity, our coming to the place of maturity flows from being true to who we are called to be by Jesus Christ himself. This is the nature of the passage that we're looking at. And so we've got a call to unity. We've got a call to, uh, to embrace the gifts and we've got a call to maturity. And these three tie together today as we look at the message. So let's come back to that verse Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. And let's look at the end of that verse. It says it causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Today in my message, there are three key parts to this verse that I want to look at. And these will appear as we look at them one by one. Firstly, I'd like to look at how we grow and build itself up in love. The body of Christ growing and building itself up in love. And so let's look at that first one. And the first one is growth. To grow. To grow means simply to increase. It means to augment, which means to make something greater or better or more refined. Especially this word in this verse relates to the journey of maturity that each one of us are called to. Maturity is not an option. It's, it's, it's part of our life of faith. And in fact, some would say, scholars would say, that it's the expectation of our Lord that in the life with him we would grow and mature. So there's, there's, there's this, like this desire of Jesus that we would be continually advancing, that he's got more for us to grow into, that our maturity is a journey and each one of us must continue on that journey. So to stand still is, in fact, to die or to go backwards. And that's not what Jesus desires for us. So the first thing that we've got to understand, the key to authentic discipleship, being a follower of Jesus, is that we would grow. We would continue to grow. The second aspect of this verse that I want to look at is love. And it's at the end. So the body is going to grow and build itself up in love. So let's think about these three parts as like a, like a journey. 
if you will, the three parts to our journey. And we think about our maturity, um, the growth, the discipleship. That's the destination. The maturity is where, we, where we're going to end up as we go. If you think about uh, edifying, it's how we move along. It's, it's what propels us, and, and love is the mode of transport. So it's like what we said, it's the vehicle. So it's really important that we understand what we mean by love, because it's how we travel together. The word used in this passage uh, several times is agape, love. Agape, the Greek word agape is love. And what I want you to understand is that the meaning of agape love is unconditional love. It's love without conditions, but it's also love that's given for the benefit of others. You know, one of the things that you learn is that love has a cost. It's going to cost you everything. And Jesus is our best example. Jesus is the best example of unconditional love that he gave himself even to death on a cross in order that we might be restored to relationship with God. It's unconditional. He's done it without any, any activity on our part. He gave it regardless of our response. It's, it's without condition. But Paul says, here's the clincher. This is what it looks like for you to live together in love. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 4 and you read through, you'll notice that he says three times we must live in love together. Look, it's in the text here. He says, firstly, in Ephesians chapter 4, right at the beginning, he says, with all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. That's in verse 2. Have a look also at verse 15, where he says, speaking the truth in love that we would live together in that way. And finally, in verse 16, he says we're building itself up in love. So we've got bearing one another in love, we've got practicing truth together in love, and we've got building in love. This agape means that we've got to be forbearing one another. It means just suck it up, princess, and live together in love. It doesn't mean that we get to judge one another and choose how we live. It's like forbearing means regardless of behavior, we choose to love. Secondly, we would practice truth in love, that we would live by God's standards together in love because he has called us to do so. That's what it means to practice the truth in love. And finally, as we're going to look at today, we build ourselves in love, meaning we've got to contribute who we are to the greater picture in order that others would be built into that place of love. So we have growth, which is an ongoing journey of discipleship. We have agape, love, which is how we live together. And the third element that I want to look at is build. We grow and build in love. Let's look at this word build. You can see on the screen there that build means to edify. It means to strengthen. In relation to our journey of growth, the word edify means spiritual advancement. So it's particularly focused on our life as a disciple or follower of Jesus, that our spiritual advancement would continue. That's what it means to be edified. When I looked at the words and did a bit of a geek study on the word, what I discovered is that this word, um, oikodomai, is a compound word of two Greek words that come together. Firstly, the word oikos, which refers to a house. 
it's a, a dwelling place. It's, it's actually called an, an edifice. It's a structure that is constructed in order to become a dwelling place. A dwelling place. So oikos is a, is a building or a house or an edifice that's constructed for a dwelling place. And secondly, domio means to build. It means to build properly, to construct in fine form. So this word, edification, oikidomo, means to build a dwelling place for someone and to build it properly. Why is this important? Well, let's look at what the notes say with regards to this. This building, this edification, let me read it to you from the New English Translation, the translator's notes. This is what they say. This is the act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, piety, happiness, and holiness. So, so let's, let's say, for me, what this means is, this is the act of me, living with you in love, who promotes your growth in Christian wisdom, in piety, which means reverence, in happiness, which means we enjoy the journey, and in holiness, which is God's standard for, uh, for us to live in. So, so the responsibility is for me to promote your growth in these things, but it's two-sided. It's also your responsibility, and, and so let's put you in it. It says, it's your act to promote my growth in Christian wisdom, piety, happiness, and holiness. It's two-way. That's what it means to edify one another. Another um, uh, translator says this, I forget which version, I've read so many this week, but this is what was written in the notes around the unpacking of this word to edify, to build one another. It says constructive criticism, we all know how happy that is to receive, constructive criticism and instruction that builds a person up to be a suitable dwelling place for God because the Lord wants to be at home in each of us. So my responsibility, your responsibility, is that we would live together in order that we would provide uh, feedback, constructive criticism, and instruction one to each other in order that our lives would be built into a dwelling place for God because he's happy to live with us. That's what it means to edify the body of Christ. Each one of us contributing in our role to that. And this is where it gets really interesting. Because this is where we find tension. This is where we have a bit of pull and a bit of give and a bit of take because we see it differently. And this is where I want to drill down today. How do we live in the tension? How do we live in love but live in tension? And, and because, because you're going to see something and I'm going to see something, but we're going to see something different of the same situation. And this is really where I want to get to at the close of this series. And this is what I have to say. This is what I have to say in the tension. It's time to replace the ministry team of one. No more solo pastor. No more separation between the, the ministry and the laity. No, we're one body. This is so old school. We've got to get ourselves out of our pew, out of our comfort zone, out of our hiding, and saying, well, it's his responsibility, it's his job, he can do the ministry. Let's put an end to the solo ministry team, the ministry team of one, let's put a stop to that. And instead, have a look. It's time for the ministry of the one, capital O, 
meaning Jesus. It's time for ministry of the one, of Jesus, through the multitudes. It's time for the ministry of Jesus Christ to go into the church and into the community through everyone, through all of us. It's time that we rise, that our responsibility to build a dwelling place for God to live in each of our lives is our responsibility. And herein lies the tension. So I'm inviting you into the tension to understand the tension so that we can journey this together. When we look at Ephesians chapter 4 and we see the middle part here, this is all relating, which is why I'm bouncing through the sections of Ephesians chapter 4, because they all relate to us understanding how this works. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says that we, we come together for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. There it is again, which is why we're looking at it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. That means we're, we're equipping, we're building, we're constructing, we're making stronger. The saints, the, the believers, each one of us, for their work of ministry, which means each one has a part to play. We, we talked about that in the last message two weeks ago. And for the edifying of the strengthening of the dwelling place of Christ in our midst. So there's a responsibility for us to do this. And so to understand what that looks like, to find the tension in it for us, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. And he, talking about Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Here's what I'd like to say about that. The grace of Jesus supplies the gifting of Jesus. The grace of Jesus supplies the gifting of Jesus. And by that I mean, Jesus has brought himself to us to enable us and equip us with different flavors of how he is presented through our lives in order that each one contributes its part for the greater good of the sum. Together, we're gonna to make this work, but only if we do it together. No more solo minister, no more one person carrying the load of equipping, each one of us contributing who we are in the grace of Jesus Christ in our lives. Now, I don't get caught up in arguing what type of gifts and this and that and who's got what, but I do want to explain why there's tension and how we can deal with it, because we've all got to bring ourselves to the conversation. So let's have a look at that now. A full expression of Jesus in these five grace or gifts that are mentioned, and I want to go through them. Let's look at the first one. A full expression of Jesus can look like a ministry gifting that is called an apostolic gifting. It's a grace that is carried in someone's life. And you can see here that it's, 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 it's someone who has this desire to, to move and develop people in their biblical identity. Uh, someone that wants to raise up sons and disciple sons and daughters to be mature. It's, it's someone that has vision casting. It's someone that, that forges into new territory and opens up new pathways for the body of Christ to flow through into. This is someone who has an apostolic gifting. And so they're going to come and they're going to say, hey, we need to press forward. We need to expand our leadership capacity. We need to disciple and raise leaders for the future. That's someone with an apostolic grace. Now, if that's not you, you're going to be, you're going to be a little bit in tension in that. You're going to go, well, why are they so excited about this? Well, that's because that's their grace and that's what they bring as an expression of Jesus Christ. 
But what about the next one on the list? The prophetic gifting, the, the grace that has a, a prophetic edge to it as as per what we read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. So someone, as you can see on the screen here, someone with a prophetic grace in their life is, is someone that's going to be pressing the call for the church to be into more holiness. They're going to be um, receiving heaven-sent messages, prophetic words. They're going to be getting downloads and blueprints. They're going to be pushing the church to move in supernatural signs because they've got a prophetic grace on their life. They're spending more time in prayer and they're calling the church to more time in prayer. This is a prophetic grace. And so if someone's constantly pushing in this area and you're like, man, what is this? It's the grace on their life. They're representing that part of Jesus and what he brings to the church. And they're adding who they are and who Jesus has made them to be. The next one on the list was someone with an evangelistic grace. So let's have a look at what that means. An evangelistic grace is someone who's passionate about taking the gospel and preaching it to all the world. Everyone should do this. That's what they say. Everyone should do this. Everyone should do this. An evangelist is someone who wants to see people get saved. They want to share the message. Now, we all have a responsibility for all of these. But the evangelistic grace is someone that's constantly pushing us to feed the poor, to help the broken, to make bridge, bridge connections, open doors into the community. Let's help the homeless. Let's help the hungry. Let's help the widows. Let's help the poor. Let's help the children. An evangelistic grace is essential because it represents Jesus. But not all of us think like that. What's the next one on our list? It's the pastoral grace. So someone that wants to um, lovingly connect with and care with people like a shepherd. They want to feed the sheep, care for the sheep, protect the sheep. They want to take the sheep to new ground. They want to, they want to make sure the sheep um, are safe in the pasture. A pastoral person was wanting to encourage and uplift and build and, and edify each other with scripture and song and fellowship. They want to people be, to be connected. They're like, we've got to talk more about connection. Because they have a pastoral grace on their life. They're representing Jesus and the gift that he's given the church in a pastoral grace. Maybe you can see yourself in one of these. The last one we read in the scripture is the ministry gifting of teaching. This is someone that wants to provide Bible-based instruction. They, they do exegesis. They look at context. They, they cross the bridge between cultures and time. And they want to empower and enable people with good, solid, biblical doctrine that causes us to live the right way as per the scriptures. This is an essential grace. The teacher comes to instruct and equip, to expound the scriptures, to articulate the scriptures, but to make them real for your life today. So if someone is constantly talking about that, it's because they're bringing a teaching grace that represents Jesus the teacher. What's my point in sharing this? Well, if each one of us is going to contribute to the edification, the building up and the strengthening of the body of Christ, all of us bringing something, we've got to understand that there's a tension because we bring different gifts to the conversation. And they're not wrong. Let me say this to you. Functioning together as a ministry team does not minimize one another's gifting but actually maximizes them. This is what is so vital for us. 
that we would understand the tapestry as we come together. Several weeks ago in message, uh, the message I talked about, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where the, the body has many different parts and the ear can't say to the eye, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the foot, we don't need you. We all need to come together. Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 4 that these graces, they come as leadership ministry graces to represent Jesus in order that we would fully equip each other for the work of ministry that we must do, each one of us. And that is why these graces are present. As I come to land this message and essentially conclude the series connection, I'd like to bring us back to this one statement. The grace of Jesus supplies the gifting of Jesus. It's Jesus Christ himself who gave these gifts to the church for the purpose of strengthening the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. This is the sub-theme of this entire series. He being Jesus Christ, he is the one that does it. Not the pastor, not the elders, you don't get to decide what that looks like for others, and you probably should realise by now that you don't get to decide what that looks like for you. He, Jesus, does that. He has a plan, and you're part of that plan. He makes the whole body. So it's all of us. It's not just the select few. It's not just those on church staff. It's not just those who, who are in a connect group leader position. Every single one of us has a part to play. Every single part of the body is essential. He, Jesus, makes the whole body fit together. Come back to that message, the second message. We're fitted together and we're formed together in connection. That there's a reason Jesus calls us to do life together. He, Jesus, makes the whole body, all of us, fit together. We're designed to be connected. Isolation is not God's plan for us. We keep ourselves safe, as we've done through lockdown several times, but we should not become disconnected in that isolation. And that's the danger. We think we're capable of taking care of ourselves, that we're capable of managing our own journey. We don't need to be subjected to anybody else. It's just me and Jesus. Happy days, happy days. It's not God's plan. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. It's only perfect when it's in line with his design. I pray that each of us, me, you, your family, the rest of our church, that we would recognise and submit to the work of Jesus, that he has called us as the body, his body, to come together to strengthen one another, to build an edifice, a dwelling place for God to live, where his life becomes our life, because that's his perfect plan for us. Let's pray. Almighty God, I thank you for your scriptures that bring life to us by your spirit. As this word goes forth, as people are listening to it today and in days to come, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make the scriptures come alive, that your Holy Spirit would speak to people's hearts and stir them. Lord God, that you open their eyes to see the giftings that you've placed on their lives, ministry gifts, spiritual gifts, gifts of healing and wholeness and, and reconciliation, Lord, gifts that, that would operate in the church and function and form, Lord, each one of us bringing who we are to be part of your body, that your church, your glorious church would shine to the community, that the light and the love of Jesus Christ would shine out of us, that the world would see us unified 
and know that God in heaven is a God who loves them. Lord, I pray the peace of God over each one, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the love of God their Father, that they would go and go well. They'd grow together, they'd grow stronger, and that we would see your kingdom come on this earth, on earth as it is in heaven. May your will be done in our lives each day. Amen. May God richly bless you as you go. If there's anything we can do here at Zion, please reach out, let us know. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to help with you. If you're searching for identity and you're not yet connected with Jesus Christ, then reach out to him. Find your purpose in a personal relationship with Jesus, that you would acknowledge Jesus is the Son of God, that you would acknowledge that God sent him to earth. He died on the cross but yet rose again victorious so that you could have a relationship with God. If we could help you with that journey, please reach out to us. We'd love to connect with you afterwards.